Alja, and welcome back to the Talking Blarney podcast, where we wade through the Blarney to tell you about the real Ireland. My name is Stuart McNamara, and unfortunately, I have to say that once again, we do not have our beloved co-host, Robert Cross. He is still bogged down with a lot of work, and he has a lot of extracurricular work to do as well, so he will not be with us once again this week, but he has assured me that he has the time to do next week's podcast so he will be back with us then, and we do miss him, and we'll see him very soon. So this week has been quite a cold week in Ireland. It's been very, very chilly. We got a little bit of snow, which is quite a regular for us here, a lot of ice. I know a few people who've actually taken a hopper, as we say. They've uh, tripped over on some really bad patches of, of footpath, and that's been very chilly. My own motorbike is uh, not the best when it comes to, to running in cold weather, so... I've been getting lifts to work, which is always fun when I'd rather be flying down the motorway on my own vehicle, but there's not much we can do about it. And there's been a lot of talk in the news this week about the reopening of schools, because with the pandemic and everything, and as I mentioned last week, the high numbers that we've had in recent times, it's been a touchy subject. It's hard to know what's the right thing to do in this situation. With so many cases, the teachers are worried about catching it. Parents are obviously worried about catching it, but also going insane trying to teach to their own kids. So there's not one easy answer one way or the other. We're kind of making it up as we go along. It, it's looking like the the lockdown that we have had since the start of January is going to continue on into February and possibly longer than that, which is unfortunate because I know that I definitely need a haircut and I'm getting very close to doing it myself, which is a interesting prospect for me, but there's not much I can do about it beyond going uh, wild with my hairstyles or shaving it all off. So we'll see how that goes. But considering they're talking a lot about schools and reopening or not reopening, I think it's a good time for Uniquely Irish this week to be on Irish schools, because obviously in Ireland we do schools the Irish way. So first off, uh, a big difference that I think we pointed out before is that Irish schools are called something different to most other schools, I think. Well, some anyway. Here we have primary school and secondary school, and then you go on to college. So primary school is kind of four or five years old to 12, and then secondary school is 12 to 18-ish, depending on the age you started. Whereas we know, say in America, you have high school and whatever goes along with that. But anyway, primary school, you taught all of the basic stuff that you're taught most other places, English, maths, um, history and stuff like that, but like from a kiddie's perspective. But we also, surprisingly enough, do Irish in class, which is obviously a big thing for us here in Ireland. I remember it wasn't my favourite subject, uh, being that it's a, a language that very few people actually speak. It's not something that I was excited to learn, but it is a big part of our culture. And now looking back on it, I uh, I wish I had paid more attention but in primary school, it's not the most difficult subject, obviously, learning the basics. I think uh, one thing that we do remember, because in Limerick, where we are, there is a college for teachers called Mary I, Mary Immaculate College. And so every year you'd get a couple of uh, student teachers come in and they teach you for a couple of weeks. And it was always the, the funnest part of the year because they'd be teaching you stuff like The Simpsons in Irish. Or I think one of the big ones that I remember was The Lord of the Rings in Irish. And so you kind of have a bit of fun, whereas normal Irish lessons were more in the vein of kind of old Irish stories and stuff like that. 
But then you get on to secondary school, which, once again, you still have to learn Irish, but obviously it's uh, a lot more important. And in secondary school, what we do is we have uh, the junior cert and the leaving cert cycles. We call them years. So you do first year to third year. And in those, you will start kind of building up towards what will eventually be a big exam at the end of third year called the junior cert. I think that's gone now. It's been quite a while since I've been back, uh, since I was in school. So I'm not sure what they have replaced it with because it didn't keep up with any of that. But we did the junior cert, myself and Rob. And in that, you were basically every every subject that you had learned you had an exam for. The grades you got were then given a number, like, you know, A plus being 100%, or I think it was A1, they called it, and then the six best were added together, and then you got, like, your score. And so we had various subjects that you could kind of take along with it. We had, like, electives, things like uh, metalwork was one, woodworking. Uh, I think I did technology, which is kind of similar enough to woodwork, but it's more of a mechanical side of, of woodwork, kind of physics-y is probably the best way of explaining it. So things like uh, levers and pulley systems and things like that. And of course you get to choose a language. During secondary school in Ireland you're learning three languages throughout. So you have your English, where we learn a lot about Irish poets and Irish writers. We've mentioned before that we read The Field, but you do stuff like um, Shakespeare, so you do Hamlet, or um, Merchant of Venice, I think was another one that we did. And then you do uh, your elective language. So I went to a pretty diverse school where I was able to pick from four different languages, Spanish, German, Italian, and French. Uh, I know Rob, even though he's not here, I'll add in that he learned German in school, and I actually picked Italian. So uh, very interesting languages to try to learn while you're also learning Irish at the same time. But school in Ireland is, uh, I mean, it, you know, overall it's similar to where, to everywhere else. Interestingly, I did go to a, not a fancy secondary school, but one with a hook where uh, we were given laptops in first year, which was the reason that I went there, because I wanted a laptop and uh, my parents wouldn't get me one otherwise. So that was a, a fun thing to, to get me to go there, even though most of the buildings in the school were actually prefabricated. Uh, the, it was a country school, so in the middle of nowhere, so I was actually getting a bus out there every day and the school building was quite old back when there were I think six or seven people in each year which is quite a lot smaller but the the new principal had paired with a, a bus service to bring more students out from the city and so that the numbers of students skyrocketed I think there must have been about a hundred people in every year when I was going there and so with that they had a load of kind of you know the prefab buildings similar to what you get at a construction site just kind of brought in on the back of a truck and, and dumped down there which uh was not fun in the cold weather that we get here at times it was a bit wild for that reason and of course like most schools over here we had uniforms which was always fun my school had a blazer specifically that we had to wear all the time so we looked like posh twats which was not fun to be wandering around in but a major distinctive walking through the city on certain evenings after school lets out you'll see various groups of uniformed teenagers wandering around in, in their uniforms but one of the big things about Irish school is that a lot of them are run by the church. We have Christian Brothers schools here and so they're kind of the, the principal tends to be priest of some description and so along with all the normal stuff and this goes for primary school and secondary school along with the normal subjects you'll also obviously learn religion. In my primary school it was a little bit different because it was a multi-denominational primary school I think one of the only ones in the in this city anyway so we didn't have religion as it, well we did have religion we didn't have Catholicism specific religion in the school so I had to do the likes of my communion and confirmation 
as a separate thing outside of school hours, which, I mean, I was a terrible Christian from the beginning. I think I only did those for the uh, money that you get in your communion confirmation cards, which pretty much, I think, another uniquely Irish episode in itself once Rob is back. So in those schools, like, religion is of high importance so they do like prayers every day and, and stuff like that but I, I think it's it's lessening as time goes on there there are less schools that have religious affiliations nowadays which i think is a good thing i think that uh it, it's a strange system to have most of our schools being run by a religious order which who knows why well we know why it happened in the beginning but i can't understand why it's continued on for so long but hopefully it won't last forever and we can have non-denominational schools all over the country but i think that'll just about do it for uniquely irish this week so since i don't have rob i decided that instead of doing anything big this week i would just go through another part of irish society since ireland has for a long time been known as the island of saints and scholars i will go through a few of our most famous saints excusing the obvious we have plans for saint patrick himself since his days coming up and Unfortunately, something that I should have said in the news at the start is this is the second year that the St. Patrick's Day Parade has been cancelled, which is unfortunate because it's always a, a great day out. We have our parades in every major city and even in the smaller towns they have parades and there's normally a rugby match on, which is always good fun for us to have a few pints afterwards and a bit of celebration. But this year, like last year, we won't, which it's like we can't even be Irish anymore. <laughs> so I just got up a list from the internet, kind of with a, a few saints and their description. So I'll go down through them and see if I recognise any, which, as I said, I'm, I was a bad Catholic when I was a kid. I'm not a Catholic anymore. I probably won't know many of them. The first one on the list is Saint Finbar, who is the patron saint of Cork. Born in Connacht, he was named Fionbar, meaning whitehead by monks due to his light hair. His monastery became famous in Southern Ireland and attracted numerous disciples. Many extravagant miracles are attributed to him, and supposedly the sun did not set for two weeks after he died at Cloyne about the year 633, which is one hell of a miracle, and I think <laughs> the people of Cloyne were probably fairly pissed with the sun not setting for two weeks, and maybe a little bit worried at the same time. That seems like a, a fairly extreme miracle, considering there are places like uh, up near the, the North Pole where the sun sets for like 30 days and shit, which is... A strange thing to, to experience, if anyone has. The next one is a, a fairly well-known saint that we would have learned about in school, which is St. Bridget. So she's the patron saint of Ireland, dairy maids, cattle, midwives, Irish nuns, and newborn babies. So she has her work cut out for her. So she shares her name with a Celtic goddess, for whom many legends and folk customs are associated. She's celebrated for her generosity to the poor. Most of her miracles are associated with healing and household tasks usually attributed to women. So, you know, sexist as always were the, the Catholic Church. It's one of the saints that we have a feast day for, so it's a, so on February 1st, which is coming up quite soon, actually, we have St. Bridget's Day, which was formerly a pagan festival. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago... If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
Uh, one thing that we do, and uh, I might mention it to Rob next week, is St. Bridget's Cross, which is made out of rushes that you w- weave into kind of a plus shape. If you haven't seen one, look it up. I think we've spotted one or two in some of the movies that we've done, actually. They're quite nice little things, and I think they're kind of... You meant to put them up in the house as a kind of a a charm of protection. The next one we have is St. Column Kill, patron saint of Derry, floods, bookbinders, poets, Ireland, and Scotland, apparently. Uh, By the way, this is just a a post I found on irishpost.com that I'm reading through to see what we have. So, he was born in 521 in Donegal. After he was ordained... He left Ireland at the age of 42, possibly because of a family feud which resulted in the death of 3,000 people, which he was partly blamed for. So, you know, not the best start for a saint, being blamed for 3,000 deaths. Uh, He's one of the three chief saints of Ireland after St. Patrick and St. Bridget. So it's kind of another little holy trinity there, I suppose, with three of them being saints of Ireland. They're the, the, the three head saints. Then we have another name that might be very familiar to some, St. Oliver Plunkett. He's the patron saint of peace and reconciliation in Ireland. After he was ordained due to religious persecution in his native land, it was not possible for Oliver Plunkett to return to minister to his people. Therefore, Oliver taught in Rome until 1669, when he was appointed Archbishop of Armagh and Primate of Ireland. He soon established himself as a man of peace and set about visiting his people, establishing schools, ordaining priests and confirming thousands. Oliver Plunkett was beatified, a word that Rob would probably be killing me for mispronouncing, in 1920, and canonised in 1975, making him the first new Irish saint in almost 700 years, and the first of the Irish martyrs to be beatified. And there's a whole street named after him in Cork, which would be Plunkett Street. The next saint is St. Ida, patron saint of Roman Catholic Diocese in Limerick. St. Ida was born in County Waterford. She refused to be married and secured her father's permission to live a Virginia life. She was said to embody the six virtues of Irish womanhood, wisdom, purity, beauty, musical ability, gentle speech, and needle skills, which is interesting. Obviously, it was a different time back then, and I'm just trying to wrap my head around these six virtues of Irish womanhood. Because they're weird. The obvious funny ones are the last three. I mean, musical ability. Sure, I mean, it's fun if they're able to sing or hammer out a tune on on a harp or whatever. Gentle speech is a good one. So, I assume, like, just speaking quietly or, you know, gentleness is in being nice, maybe? Then needle skills, which is, of course, very important. I mean, technically it was back then, you know, being able to make clothes and stuff. But still, I don't think it should count as one of the virtues that they need to have. She has a lot of miracles attributed to her. In one of them, she is reported to have reunited the head and body of a man who had been beheaded, which is... I assume where the needle skills comes into it. In another, she lived entirely on food from heaven, which is pretty good. A great saving, I suppose, especially in Ireland when food wasn't always easily come by that she was able to eat food from heaven. The next one we have is St. Alva, which is an odd one because I would have assumed it, or I would have thought of it more as a, a woman's name, but this, from the image they have here, is definitely a man. I had a speech and drama teacher named Alva. She was a lovely woman. But St. Alva was a bishop, preacher, and a disciple of St. Patrick. And I should mention as well, he's the patron saint of wolves, something we do not have in this country anymore, because they were hunted to extinction, unfortunately. I mean, I get it. It was a long time ago, and it's a small country we needed to not have wolves here. And considering some of the videos I've seen online of 
wild animals wandering through the place, especially the, the carnivorous kind. I'm quite glad that we don't have wolves here, but it's also sad that we don't have one of our native species anymore. He was noted for his charity and kindness, as well as his elegant, eloquent sermons. It was claimed that he was left in the woods as an infant and suckled by a wolf, which I suppose is just similar to the whole Romulus and Remus story. It's a strange one. Later, the legend goes, an old she-wolf came to Alva for protection from a hunting party, resting her head upon his breast, which is, uh, I suppose, nice that if he was you know, a wolf child that he protected a wolf in its old age later on. Seems to not have a lot of patron sainting to do in recent times, though. Now we have Saint Cataldus, patron saint of Taranto, invoked for protection from plagues. Where the fuck has he been recently? Droughts and storms. Saint Cataldus's monastery was in Lismore, County Waterford, but one day he ventured to Jerusalem. On his way home, his ship became shipwrecked, in Taranto in Italy, and the people begged him to stay and be their bishop, so he did. suppose that's nice. Uh, I was wondering why he was the patron saint of Taranto, but it's good that somehow an Irish lad wandered down there and uh, decided to stick it out, probably for the weather and the food, to be fair. Some of the miracles claimed in Cataldus's name include protecting the city against the plague and floods that apparently had occurred in neighbouring areas. Well, there's your problem. He's the patron saint of plagues, but he's hanging out in Italy, which is annoying for us here in Ireland, I suppose. When his coffin was reopened, it allegedly contained a golden Celtic cross and a stick carved from Irish oak, featuring Celtic design, which has become Cataldus's emblem. Yeah, I can see that. I think I've seen similar images around that kind of Celtic design. Next, we have another patron saint who somehow wandered away from Ireland. It is Saint Coleman of Stockerau, patron saint of Austria, Melk, patron of hanged men, horned cattle, and horses. Originally known as Colman, he was an Irish pilgrim en route to the Holy Land when he was mistaken for a spy because of his strange appearance. He was tortured and hanged in Stockerau in Austria. Legend states that Colman's body remained incorruptible for 18 months, undisturbed by birds and beasts. The scaffolding he met his untimely death on is said to have taken root and to have blossomed with green branches. I mean, that's a weird one. It's kind of funny that he was mistaken for a spy and became the patron saint of hanged men for being hanged, but that's how saints work, I suppose. Here's one that I would love to meet to keep me safe. Saint Columbanus is the patron saint of motorcyclists. Saint Columbanus was an Irish missionary notable for founding a number of monasteries in Burgundy, Switzerland and Italy, which were known for their strict rules and their emphasis on corporal punishment. He performed many miracles, including making a bear evacuate a cave at his bidding, destroying a cauldron of beer, that bastard, with his breath, and taming a bear and yoking it to a plough. I mean, it's weird why he became the patron saint of motorcycles, motorcyclists, but he seems like a, you know, following the strict rules, probably something best for a motorcyclist to do. <laughs> I do myself, so I guess I can see it, kind of. Then we have Saint Gall, Gal? Yeah, let's go. Saint Gal, patron saint of birds, geese, poultry, and Sweden. So Saint Gal was born in Ireland in 550, was one of the traditional 12 companions of Saint Columbanus on his mission from Ireland to the continent. A popular legend is that when Saint Gal was in the woods, he was sitting at a fire when a bear emerged from the bushes and charged at him. He rebuked the bear. So awed by his presence, it stopped its attack, gathered firewood and sat at the fire with him. So what I'm starting to gather is that 
Irish saints and bears are good friends. Doesn't seem to have anything to do with birds, geese, poultry or Sweden, but it's a well-trained bear. So second last one then is St. Fiacra, patron saint of gardeners and cab drivers. St. Fiacra set up a hospice for travellers which developed into the village of St. Fiacra in St. Et Marne. My apologies for my terrible pronunciation of what I assume is a French name. Many resorted to him for advice and the poor for relief. He sometimes miraculously restored to health those that were sick. The fame of St. Fiacre's miracles of healing continued after his death as crowds visited his shrine for centuries afterwards. He's been taken on as the patron saint of cab drivers of Paris. French cabs are called Fiacre's because the first establishment to let coaches on hire in the middle of the 17th century was in the Rue Saint-Martin near the Hotel saint Fiacre in Paris. Which I suppose makes sense. Um, it's kind of a, it's a tenuous connection to cab drivers. But he did protect travellers and heal people. So I guess it kind of makes sense. Unfortunately, saint Fiacre wasn't a big fan of women and banned them from his monastery. But he was a good gardener. Yeah, so... He banned women from his monastery. Bit of a dick move. I mean, they have all of those womanly virtues that we read earlier, so I can't see why he wouldn't let them in. The last one then we have is Saint Aharacht, patron saint of Torlestrain in Sligo. Saint Aharacht is traditionally listed as a daughter of a 6th century noble Irish family in County Sligo. Her father opposed her religious vocation, but she went to St. Patrick and made her vows to him before founding a hospice in Loch Gara. Local tradition remembers her great healing powers. Her convents were famous for hospitality and charity to the poor. Today, a local well is named after her, as is the new secondary school in Tubber and a church in Kilmacteague. So that's all the big ones from this list. I mean, we have quite a few. I know there are some that get invoked quite often. I think, you know, St. Jude is one of the, the big saints for hopeless causes and... We definitely call on St. Anthony a lot. Well, I don't, but I know people do when they've lost something. It's uh, Their mammy will always tell them to pray to St. Anthony to find it again. But yeah, there are a lot more saints in Ireland. I don't know how many to be exact, but we have a lot and they have wild, wild histories, as you've just found out from the few that I've read there. But that will just about do it for this week. And as I said earlier, hopefully we will have Rob back with us next week. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, please give it a like or a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you use. Uh, give it a review. Tell a friend if you enjoyed it, uh, and hopefully we can get a, a few more listeners that way. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, something you want us to say in Uniquely Irish, if we've said something that you think is incorrect and you want to just argue with us, that's also fun. Uh, you can contact us via email at talkingblarneypod at gmail.com, or you can tweet us on Twitter at blarneypod. But that's all we have for this week. So, Sloan, and we'll see you next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.